Hello, folks, for another episode of the Backmarkers F1 show, still with our audio-only podcast for now. Uh, like we mentioned last week, only a temporary thing for probably only uh, one more podcast, as Shaker is almost back. Um, we're recording in a different location, so it's just easier for us to do it uh, this way for, for these couple episodes. So almost, uh, almost back to our uh, normal, regularly scheduled programming. But the show must go on, and we're here to preview the French Grand Prix after uh, a not-so-quiet uh, last couple of weeks since the Canadian Grand Prix. Still a lot of uh, events unfolding from that uh, penalty incident. Yeah, usually you have, you know, a little, at least it's a little quiet between races, but no, Ferrari have sent a formal investigation. Is that what it's called? They sent the FBI. The F- yeah, they sent the, the FBI to the FIA. <laughs> yeah. Um, about the whole Vettel thing. And a lot of you didn't agree with us, at least on our last video, about our take and... Um, that you know, we thought there shouldn't be a penalty. A lot of you thought there should be a penalty. So obviously, that uh, you know, you guys have have your opinion, and there's you guys made some very good points in that reasoning. Um, well, <laughs> we personally, I I still side with the drivers. Um, with with Weber, uh, not Weber, sorry, uh, with Deresta, um, and all them going leaning towards. Uh, Vettel and having that not a penalty, the commentators, all the professionals. So um, that's what they were saying, but uh, we can agree to disagree. Yeah, I must say, I was surprised. Uh, I guess we don't have any Italian listeners. I guess not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, on, on, it was different because on, on Twitter you had sort of unanimous people sort of agreeing with what we were saying, and then in the comment section it was completely the other way. But I, I would agree with you. I, I think. I'm even more so on the side of Vettel and and, uh, and the drivers after looking at the incident, you know, what, two weeks uh, ago right. now. Um, just looking at all the different angles and, and hearing some things from the drivers. And I know some of the people were saying, you know, you should go watch, like, Jolian Palmer's analysis because he's, like, the new a- analyzer for Formula One. Yeah, he's got that post. It's, like, it's too long. It's, like, 16 minutes. I don't want to watch. I don't listen to Jolene Palmer for that long. Yeah, I mean, I watched I watched most of it, and it didn't really change my opinion. Right. I think interesting to note is that most of the drivers, even Lewis Hamilton himself, said that he would do the same thing. So I think that's interesting to say for the people who are saying, well, you know, Vettel should have done this or he should have done that. Right. I mean, everybody would have done the exact same thing. So why are we expecting Vettel to do something drastically amazingly different right um i don't think anything's going to come out of this investigation though no that, i don't think for so. every requested i think it's going to stay the same hamilton will keep the win Vettel will stay second and we'll move on to france hopefully drama free yeah and just before we get to to the right to review my my final right, thoughts that's, that's the that's what i was looking yeah, for right, right to, to review. review yeah it's the official language like Vettel was saying everybody's like a lawyer now yeah in, in today's true. era um you know, pe- people are saying, you know, check what Palmer is saying stuff. I-, I would also say go check what Mika Hakkinen was saying on the incident. And yeah. with all due respect to Julian Palmer, I mean, he's got a thousand times more F1 experience than either of us will ever have. Uh, 100%. He's a true professional. And I'm not discrediting him and I'm not saying that he's wrong. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But I would rather listen to the opinion of a two-time world champion and a guy in Mika Hakkinen who battled Michael Schumacher when... Schumacher was at his very best. And what he said about the incident, you know, I'll, I'll pull up the article. I won't read the whole thing because it is a bit lengthy. And he does have a podcast out, which I recommend everybody listen to. It's very mm-hmm. good. And he brought up some things that we missed. And I think a lot of people missed. And I think this might 
maybe uh, kind of give you a, a different light. And he was talking about the track characteristics. Right. And one of the things about the turn three and four is what he was saying right here is that it drops downhill. You know, you go right to left into turn four. It's off camber. Yeah. Yeah. Off camber and it's fast. And, and like he's saying in this article, the circuit is narrow. I mean, it is a street circuit. It's a temporary street circuit. Yeah. But you've got walls that are very close, similar to Monaco. And all of this is happening in, in a split second. And he goes on to talk about how how hot the tires are. It's basically molten rubber. So when you go over things like grass or gravel, and when you go offline, you're picking up all the dirty things and it's sticking to your tires. So again, I won't read the whole article, but he, in this article, he basically talks about that Vettel, his main priority was get back to the racing line where the track was cleaner, where the grip was. And his main priority was to also stay ahead of uh, Hamilton because he's a world champion. He's a racer. And he said the same thing. He would have done the exact same situation. And at the end of the day, these two are racing. And in his podcast, he went on to, to talk about things like if him and, and Schumacher would be racing in today's era, they'd get race bans. Because, I mean, Michael was known for that to be, yeah. uh, you know, you can call him, I guess, a dirty driver, but just he would strategic yeah let's call it he, he would pull off some moves that would piss off a lot of drivers i yeah. mean ask david coulthard ask juan pablo montoya nowadays he'd get a race ban for sure because apparently nowadays you can't touch wheels so it, it, here's two things going toward this one i'll start off with why julian palmer's analysis is different than mika hackman's and i think it has to do a lot with what we saw with same scenario with Maybe some of the comments and what we saw from the race professionals. And that is old school versus new school. Old school, a little more dirtier, a little more kind of rough and rowdy, wheels banging. That's kind of how Martin Brunnell described it in the commentary box as well during the race was, this is old school, let them race. Like, right. like maybe I'm just old. I think he said, maybe I'm just old school, but you know, let them race. This is what racing is all about. Where Julian Palmer, maybe a little bit more of a new school driver, sees this from a coming up uh, as a as a newer F1 driver, um, not seeing those battles back in the past and say no, this is illegal, right, right down by the rules, um, you know, to the law. So I think that's where we're seeing the discrepancies of opinions is is old school versus new school. To the second point. If this happens this week in France, let's say, let's say this didn't happen in Canada, but this does happen in France. Vettel would, I think, 100% deserve the penalty because there's so much more runoff in France. You can gain more of an advantage, one. Two, I mean, you have a lot more room to correct yourself. You can go to the inside line of the track and make sure that you don't cut Hamilton off because the track is much larger. Right. Um, obviously, the scenario wouldn't be the same because there's no grass. He's not sliding through the grass. All that scenario. Let's let's ignore the the grass in an asphalt scenario. The, the whole point is Montreal is a lot narrower. There's not much room for error, and him sliding back on the track in front of Hamilton in Montreal probably if it was the same distance in France would have only put him probably two car lengths the other side of Hamilton. He would have been you know two two car lengths on the inside or two car widths I should say on the inside of Hamilton. And Hamilton would have blown by. So if he did come up against Hamilton in front of Hamilton in France, I'd say 100% that's a penalty. But with no room in Montreal, I would say there's nowhere for him to go, no. I might get roasted in that for the comments. It'd be like, well, it's the same. No, I, I don't know, but that's just my opinion. I think it's a good point because you have to take into 
consideration all the characteristics and all the factors. Yeah. Track, track conditions, you know, what point of the race they're in, like everything. And I, I think that's a good point because Paul Ricard is known for massive runoffs. Huge. And all asphalt. We saw that in, in turn uh, on lap one last year. Everyone was, half the cars didn't even go on the track. We'll probably see it again. Yeah. Most likely. So, no, I, I think that's a good point because, you know, the same thing in Monaco too. Yeah. Um, you know, some people think that maybe Max Verstappen should have gotten a penalty for his overtake move on Hamilton, which is, I think, ludicrous. And it, that was kind of my point is like, when did we get so soft when we can't even yeah, he's bang wheels move. anymore or, yeah. or race? I mean, that's the whole point. So my, my overwhelming point was just like, if that a move, if that's a move that gets penalized, where's the racing going to happen? I encourage some like people who are, are not, are against contacts and all that, or at least a little bit of rubbing wheels to go watch a NASCAR race. Right. There's I a, mean, there's a road race this week in NASCAR. They're at Sonoma, California. It's a fantastic racetrack awesome racetrack um and there's tons of beaten banging each other into the corners i would really recommend you watch that race it's on sunday it's 2 30 eastern time so here so if you're in england it's 7 30 at night whatever have your supper and sit down and watch the nascar race it's gonna be a very entertaining race that, that race is always yeah. so much fun to watch yeah and yeah i mean i think it's it's a bit different obviously stock cars but i know but when we look at indy car too, i mean IndyCar is another open wheel series, and and they have contact all the time, yeah. and, and you know side by side wheel to wheel racing. So, a- as fans, obviously we all have our favorites, and when we tried to analyze this incident, we tried to do it down the middle, you know, play yeah. bias. Like we took one side of it for sure, um, but I think that if but for, I think we understand the other side of what p- other people are saying. Oh, for sure, and and that kind and of I, frustrated me too when people were saying that you know Vettel should have done this or he should have done that. But as soon as you said maybe Hamilton should have gone to the left, they're like, oh, no, you're crazy. Well, how do you expect Vettel to do all that and then criticize someone for saying that Hamilton should have gone to the left? The fact of the matter is that Hamilton couldn't go to the left because he committed to the racing line. Yeah, it would have been a crash. Yeah, and not only that, but what Hakkinen was talking about, the circuit naturally takes you to the right. Yeah. So he couldn't, I mean, he made the decision to go for it. Yeah. So, again, we won't get too too much into it again because we already covered it. Um, but... You know, this was still a big talking point, and a lot of people were still frustrated, rightfully so, with the race and sort of the situation. And it's not necessarily, I mean, the stewards made their decision. I think it's more of the sport and the rules itself need a review. And that's something that Hackenden talked about, too. He said that it should have been left till after the race, where everybody yeah. could have gathered evidence and talked with the drivers and then make a decision. And that's what happened when Lewis lost his race. Everyone got together after the race. It this was, was 2008, you were talking about? Yeah. yeah. Probably would have been the better scenario there. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I would almost uh, suggest something. Instead of a five-second penalty, why not give Vettel a, a five-point penalty after the race if, if he's found guilty? Yeah. And he gets 20 points, Hamilton gets 18, and that's it. He still wins the race, but championship is still, you know, he's penalized if you had to give a penalty. Yeah, it, it's an idea. Um, I don't know how much the teams would be in favor of that though because if you're a mercedes at that point you're like well no i want 25 points i'm losing seven points if you're mercedes right so but then again like that, it it would it be it'd work in your scenario but it also wouldn't work for if it happened against you so it's one of the, i don't know maybe the teams wouldn't be depends what side it of depends the, what side you're yeah, on the argument you're on exactly and, and that was the other thing too about you know, they said Vettel, uh, Vettel gained an advantage. I, I totally disagree with that. I don't think he gained an advantage at all. I don't think he gained an advantage. He ended up losing time. Yeah, exactly. And the people that suggested that Vettel should have given the position to Hamilton, Hamilton never overtook him. 
It, this isn't yeah. like Ham- Vettel was in second place, went off the grass to overtake the Paul Ricard scenario that yeah. you're talking about. He not only, yeah, and I agree, he lost the advantage and he made the mistake. Yes, it, you know, everyone can see that Vettel made the mistake. He yeah. Try to correct the mistake the best he could. It's just, it's a small racetrack. And that's one great thing about about uh, the, the Sergei Gilles Villeneuve. It's a small racetrack. It's it's a classic racetrack. Drivers love it. Yeah, and one thing we didn't we didn't mention in in our, our review is what a shame that it happened in a circuit named after Gilles Villeneuve. Yeah, he'd he'd probably be rolling in his grave seeing a penalty call like that, considering how he raced in yeah. his day. And yeah, much much to I think the disappointment of a lot of people that are sort of old schoolers. I guess maybe you can count us in that bracket as well. But uh, yeah, so. Anyways, we already talked a little bit too much about this incident. Yeah, let's get into France because France will be very interesting. Obviously, with this carrying over, but there's a lot of other things going around in F1 right now. Yeah, and and just quickly, just to wrap up, so Ferrari has launched the right uh, to review. So you can really only launch this review if you're presenting new and significant evidence. So maybe Ferrari has something that we don't, whether that's their own telemetry, possibly maybe other camera angles. So, but like Tyler mentioned, I mean, nothing can really happen at, at this point. It can't really be overturned. Yeah, they're because, not going to give be like, oh, just kidding, Vettel wins now a week later. Yeah. Two so I, I think that, uh, you know, it, there needs to be enough evidence for them to have a review and, and for them to meet together because the FIA has to meet. What the most likely scenario is, is Vettel will get his points back on his super license. Yeah. I think that would probably be, I think he did, got deducted three? one or two points. I thought it was three. Was it three? Yeah. Yeah. It might've been, um, so yeah, that that would probably be one of the most scenarios. And just uh, in this last part here, last season Williams requested a writer review, just as an example, mm. against the stewards in Azerbaijan to award Sergey Sorokin a grid penalty for the Spanish Grand Prix. And so, like I mentioned before, a panel has to get together, and they reconvened uh, via teleconference ahead of the Barcelona race to hear Williams' evidence. But they threw the case out because they didn't think it was worth a review. So this could happen again with the Ferrari thing. So right. that's just the final thing on on that. So I'm sure we'll hear some of that. Uh, this weekend but anyways that was two weeks ago so let's move on to the circuit Paul Ricard for round eight of the championship and this is eventually our, our uh, race preview for the French Grand Prix it is now <laughs> yeah and we're back in France after I mean we, we returned for the first time last year in, in about 10 years and the French Grand Prix has sort of always seen different tracks uh, the one in Dijon or the one at Magnicourt so there's been a lot of different French uh, circuits used I like this one though. I like I like Paul Ricard. It's got a little bit of everything. Yeah, and it, you know, last year when we did our preview, I really didn't know anything about this track, so it mm. was difficult. But when F1 2018 came out and this track was on there as the new track, you get to kind of learn it yourself a little bit as as a gamer. And you know, I actually think that playing the video game helps you really understand circuits and helps you understand how to drive them. I mean, not saying that I'm anywhere near a competent not F1 at, driver, oh, not but at all. it I'd, helps you understand. I'd be a of, minute over Valtteri's lap record yeah luckily <laughs> maybe um but i agree this is it, it is a test track even though it hasn't been on the f1 calendar for a while um since 2018 a lot of teams have been using this pirelli has been using this as a main tire testing track and it's kind of similar like barcelona you got a lot of mix of high low speed and medium speed corners and the teams know it very well and whether you they don't do preseason testing here but they do a lot of in-season tests at paul ricard and a lot of the young drivers as well have done many tests here um, with, with some of their bigger teams. So it is a good track. And like Tyler mentioned earlier, runoff areas is one of the main things that dominate this track. Yeah. And we saw last year in turn one, 
also leading into turn two and turn three, a lot of drivers just bail out, especially after the contact, contact between Vettel and Bottas. And I think there's a very good likelihood of us seeing something like that again on, on lap one. Oh, 100%. Uh, 100% is going to happen. Um, you have 20 cars racing to this tight turn one, and with all the runoff areas, just like automatically your eyes going to go, accident there, runoff area, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just a natural thing that happens. Where if there's a wall there, you're like, oh, crap, where am I going to go? You got to back off. Ar- yeah, runoff area, you're like, see you later, I'm out of here. So, I, I mean, we could see Roman Grosjean take the lead. <laughs> <laughs> Can he keep it, though? Through That's the runoff the area. Yeah. Well, I feel like he'd be getting a penalty for that. But yeah. um, He could just take one of the other 150 different track layouts there are yeah. and say that, hey, say, I was oh, on the track. I was on the track, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it, but it, it's always an exciting... I, I mean, I really like this racetrack. I liked it, the race last year. Was, I thought it was a good race. Um, the circuit, uh, I enjoy the circuit. It kind of reminds me a little bit of... Like the back stretch reminds me of Le Mans, which is I don't know I guess just a, a classic kind of feeling you get. You're like, oh, it's, they should race at Le Mans. Anyways, shout out to Fernando Alonso, two-time Le Mans. That's, tr- that's correct. And WEC champion now. Good job for Fernando. Feel, um, feel bad for the number seven yeah, car though. Jeez. Yeah, I know. Why don't they race at Le Mans? Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, they have it reliability like, probably. It's a long circuit. Oh, yeah, it is a long circuit. But I mean. The 24 hours just happened there. Just continue the festivities the next week. Hey, I'd, French I'd Grand be Prix. Down. Let's go back to the Nurburgring Nordisch Life too. The full. No, not the full. No, not the full. <laughs> no, that's a bad idea. <laughs> Do it. But um, it, yeah, no, it should be a fun race. Um, story points coming into this one. I know, obviously, it's Renault's home race. Um, they're bringing massive upgrades to this race like monumental upgrades and, and usually you know you, you kind of put on one upgrade to see if it works and if it doesn't work you take it off kind of thing there i think they're putting three four five upgrades on their car so to figure out which one worked and which one didn't work will be very hard for renault mm-hmm. but um they're supposed to be getting this massive boost and they're kind of saving their upgrades for for france for this race and are they going to are we going to see all of a sudden a, a half second increase of time for for Renault? I mean, that's a lot of time to try and make up, but you have to think that's what they'd be trying to expect to be with Red Bull. I'd be surprised if it was that large. Yeah, I think they'll maybe gain a few tenths here and there, but they had this this uh, race circled on their calendar, especially with the way their their season started. Yeah, and when you come to a home race, especially a big manufacturer like Renault, there's a lot of pressure in terms of uh, the CEOs of Renault and the motor company coming down on the Formula One side of things because they increased their budget for this year and they're not getting the results. So, you know, these CEOs and these number crunchers are are looking at guys like Cyril Abipol and, and saying, hey, what's going on here? I mean, you've barely finished, you know, I mean, like what? They've DNF'd in three or four races yeah. this season already. And you brought in Daniel Ricciardo. You gave him a nice healthy paycheck too mm-hmm. as well. So... They've been saving these upgrades, I think, for this circuit. I think Canada for them was was a huge, yeah, huge boost for them. And they're going to be enjoying the the straight line speed at Paul Ricard too. Yeah, which is weird because usually we see Renault, the chassis is great, and they kind of lose the the market engine performance. It's the opposite this year. Their engine is great, but the chassis is not the greatest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, maybe not having to supply to Red Bull has something to do with that. Maybe, yeah. Only maybe. going to McLaren, even though they're sort of battling McLaren this season for best of the rest, 
which is interesting because they're both Renault, uh, Renault engines. But yeah, I think that after Canada, whether they expected that or not was a huge boost to see Daniel Ricciardo battling Mercedes and holding him off for a few laps. Must have gave them a good t- uh, confidence booster. Mm-hmm. And now they come to Paul Ricard. And, and yeah, good point in mentioning the long straights. If that Renault power is going to continue to be good, that's that's nice at a track like this. Um, and, you know, one of the things that Nico Hulkenberg talked about in, in one of his interviews was saying that a lot of their problems sort of mask the fact that their car has worked well at every circuit. And when you look at the Bahrain, for example, I mean, they left a big double points finish on the yeah, table huge. with the double DNF. Yeah. So... Had they finished the race in that situation, they'd be fourth right now, and we probably wouldn't be talking about their issues as much because with the double points finish in Canada, bumped them up right to the battle for the best of the rest. I think they're fifth now um, in the constructor standings. So for Renault, you're now going into your home race. There's a lot of pressure. So now is the time to bring upgrades. So yeah, just quickly check in. They're two points behind McLaren for fourth in the constructors' championship. So... Maybe the issues that Renault has had has sort of masked their potential, and maybe their car is working at a lot of these circuits. It's just reliability, poor qualifying. Their qualifying trim hasn't been great, that's for sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for good things for Renault at their home race now. Yeah, me too. Um, hopefully everything's reliable, though. Yeah, seriously. Um, I know them and Red Bull have those little kind of nose flap wings like we saw on the the old, the old Toyotas, you know, those <laughs> kind of the, uh, wing, no, winglets, the air, I guess. Yeah. But it's one behind you right there. On, I mean, uh, the, the people can't see, but there's see an it, but old school uh, that is, Toyota that on the exactly wall. That is exactly what I'm talking about, is that little like, winglet. Yeah. Well, when we head back to our old, uh, that one, actually. Our old studio location, we'll po- put that poster up. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll see if that improves any performance. I mean, Red Bull has it on the kind of a different style of it. Um, little things like that. You'll, like we'll see on Thursday. Um, oh, sorry, on Friday. Friday. Thursday. It's not Monaco. <laughs> um, we'll see on Friday the changes. You know, I mean, I'm sure everyone will be kind of looking at knowing that this upgrade's happening. Be analyzing the Renault car pretty heavily. There'll be lots of pictures and. Um, trying to figure out what exactly has changed on the look of the car and what they've added. So yeah, be very interesting, and it's a huge race for them to try. Like you said, get up to that fourth position. McLaren's doing very well right now. Racing points had a little resurgence. Uh, they look like they could challenge um, as well, especially at this track with their with their speed. Um, so it'll be a little interesting. Alpha's kind of fallen out of the circle now. Yeah, they We're have. Not, you know, after a strong start of the season. They've really uh, fallen off the cliff. Yeah, yeah, and they're another one that they're kind of, they're scratching their heads a little bit in exactly what's going wrong, and you know because they look like they're that's the number four car right there, Alpha. It is. I I predicted that. I I thought they would get some podiums, but that's not looking likely at this point. Although there's still a lot of races to go, but yeah, those teams like you mentioned, Racing Point for Lance Stroll, especially one of the things that we did overlook in our review. Cause we what were a so, great race. Yeah. He had probably one of the, his best races of his career. Yeah. And a lot of his overtakes didn't get shown on the main feed of the broadcast, but looking at the highlights afterwards, he had a great overtake on his teammate at the hairpin and just managed the tires really well. Yeah. And like I said, he, he was 18th, got bumped up one place because of the grid penalty. It was a mature drive from him. Yeah. Which it was like, we haven't seen that much um, from Lance Stroll so far in his career. Um, Baku was probably the the main last one we saw. Um, 
this one was very mature of him. Yeah. He did a fantastic job. Yeah, no, and and a mega job too. And like you said before, with Racing Point, they were kind of in a hole a little bit heading mm-hmm. into that weekend. And so hopefully that's a turning point for them uh, going forward. They they kind of struggled at this track last year. They had a double DNF that yeah, right. was due to some contact as well. But it's a new track for a lot of these drivers. So, uh, you know, Perez was saying he, he did a lot of simulator work ahead of this race because there's a lot of racing lines you could take into the into a lot of these corners. So it's about finding which is the fastest one, which is the most efficient one. Which is one. the most comfortable for you, too. Exactly. And there might be one that's a tenth faster, but if you can't go through it comfortably, you maybe lose two tenths on it where you can save those two tenths going on another line you're more comfortable with. Yeah. And, you know, looking at the track characteristics, when we look at the, the circuit map, last year was super confusing to see where the actual circuit was because of all the lines and everything. Yeah. But now, you know, we're a bit more familiar with the track. It's one of the longer tracks on the calendar at 5.8 kilometers. And in terms of tire stress, it's one of the highest on the season as well. There's a lot of loads and a lot of energy going into the tires. And that, all the paint lines you see on the side, that's very grippy paint uh, paint as well. So if if you go off there, it kind of hurts your tire performance as well. Because it's it's an abrasive surface, it's abrasive Mm -hmm. paint to try and help slow the cars down if if there's a crash. But obviously, even if you're turning, it's it's going to still hurt the tires a little bit more. So it's an interesting runoff area as well. So it obviously it punishes you for going off track. Yeah, exactly. And, what you want. and it helps slow you down too in an accident. Yeah. We saw with Ericsson and Grosjean last year. Um, they've actually found that asphalt does a pretty good job in terms of slowing the car down even it's better the best than one. Yeah, grass and, and gravel. Yeah, well, grass is just slippery and gravel, it's grooved. So you really only get like the top layer moves. But yeah. Especially when you hit the brakes in, yeah. in an accident, it will help slow um, you down. Chain Bear F1 did a great video on this, and I recommend you checking it out. Um, just Google F1 Chain Bear. I don't know. You'll see it. Anyways, a great video on different sort of runoff areas, and he does highlight Paul Ricard. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, so just getting back to the tires, uh, Pirelli have selected uh, the C2, uh, C3, and C4s. So sort of one step down from from Canada, because uh, the tire oh, that's a little a little slow there with our internet. But um, because the tire wear and, and and sort of the track is abrasive, you do need some tires that are going to last you a bit longer. Um, it seems like the one stop will be. Uh, seems like the one stop will be the one to decide it this year. Yeah, similar to how it was last year, but we have safety cars and certain things like that um, that you do need to take into account. And. I was reading from Pirelli also that turn 13 at this track, it has the second highest energy load behind China, turn one, two, three, oh, really? that, that combination, which I found, yeah, it was a little bit interesting to me because I thought it might be 10 going into 11 and 12, that sort of swooping double yeah. right-hander because it's so high speed. And the drivers were saying that that's a really fun part of the track just because of the high G load going into the car. But apparently, yeah, 13 is the one uh, just before that little sort of not necessarily almost mini hairpin of 14 and 15 before finishing your lap. Um, that's one of the higher energy load sur- or, uh, turns in-, in the calendar. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, very cool to, to know. And it's nice of Pirelli to uh, throw that out there and give us a little bit of an idea of what they look at at a racetrack of the, the hardest part on the tires and, you know. It'd be cool if they gave us why they're giving us those selections for tires as well throughout the race. 
or before the race and, and why they decided to go with the C2, 3, and 4 rather than the C3, 4, and 5, let's say, or the mm-hmm. C1, 2, 3. It'd be uh, nice for them to release that. Yeah, and we, this is where one of the races they introduced the thinner tire treads was, was Paul Ricard last year, and obviously that's what they've gone with for, for the whole season in terms of the regulation in 2019. Um, in terms of the tire selections, most of the, the top teams are actually fairly identical. Um, just looking at the selections here, when I go from Hamilton, Bottas, Vettel, and Leclerc all have one set of the C2s, uh, three sets of the C3s, and then nine sets of the Red Soft C4s. So basically, Ferrari and Mercedes going with the same sets. Uh, Red Bull, Verstappen, he's going with uh, an extra set of the C3s and one less set of the red C4s. Hmm. But for the majority of the teams, they've gone with only one set of the C2. Daniel Ricciardo has taken two sets. Uh, the likes of Perez and Stroll have taken two sets of, uh, of the white C- C2. And when we go down farther in the grid... Giovinazzi, Kvyat, Albon, they've all taken 10 sets of the C4 soft. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so they've gone a little bit more aggressive uh, with that with that decision. But it'll be interesting to see what the strategy is because weather can play a factor as well, although the weather forecast looks fairly decent for this weekend. Um, it is, is the it? south of France. That's true. That is a nice part of France. And it's always sort of hit or miss. You've got the ocean that's right there. And last year, as the race finished, basically the rain came. There was rain threatening the qualifying session last year, so that's always sort of unpredictable. And it's, it's typically pretty hot at this time of the year, um, which comes into play again for, for the tires. And getting back to the track, it's interesting to note that the majority of this circuit has been resurfaced from last season. So mm. there's new asphalt for about a third of the track. So the, the good part of the track has been resurfaced, um, which is going to see, like, I don't know how Pirelli how accurate their numbers are going to be in terms of the new track surface. But that's going to be interesting to see how the strategy plays out with that new asphalt there. And when I look at this circuit, you know, we can kind of talk a little bit about the favorites going into this race. Look, Castellet, France, beautiful all the weekend. Mm-hmm. 25 Friday, 26 Saturday, 27 degrees Celsius on Sunday, sunny parts or clouds. Yeah, so it's pretty, pretty hot. Yeah. yeah. Um, Getting into which teams look like they're going to be strong at this track. Obviously, Mercedes, they're going to be strong at every track this season. Um, but it's interesting because when we were doing our Canada preview, I said that the next three races for Ferrari are most likely going to be their best chances to win their first Grand Prix. Right. Should have happened in Canada, obviously. Um, France is another track. I think France won't be as strong for Ferrari, but I think that they will have a chance to to possibly beat Mercedes. They are bringing small evolutions to their car in France. Now, if you're a Ferrari fan, don't get too excited because this won't be a massive overhaul in terms of they're, changing their fundamental. small evolutions. Yeah, so whether it could be little things in the front wing or the rear wing. Um, it might honestly be that those kind of T-wings that we saw. Um, Renault, geez, that was tough to figure out. Renault and <laughs> Red Bull uh, come out with in Canada. Yeah, because... It, it's a it's a kind of an interesting track for setup because you've got, I mean, really looking at the track, you've got three long straights if you count the the swooping right handers of ten and eleven, and, and then obviously the two straights in sector one and then sector two, you got a little short one um, before you go down to the run into turn four and five, but it's not really that big of a straight. So when I look at Ferrari's chances, I think that they could have a really strong end to the sector one. 
I think sector two is probably going to be their best sector in terms of where they can make up the most time in qualifying. Because when you look at the exit of six and seven, I mean, you really only have the small little chicane of turn eight and nine where it's a low speed corner. But then the rest of it is essentially full throttle where Ferrari has been able to gain back most of their advantage. Yeah. Now, where I think Ferrari might lose a lot of time is the last part of the lap in sector three, because that's where it gets a little more technical. Yeah, 12, 13, 14, 15. Yeah. Maybe even 11. You could count in that. Yep. And and definitely out of 14 and 15, where it's a low speed corner. And Mercedes, they have the advantage in the low speed and the medium speed corners. In the high speed corners, I think Ferrari's still a little bit down, but they can get back uh, a little bit of that advantage. But essentially, Ferrari makes their money on the straights. They, yeah. they seem to have that significant uh, engine power advantage, like we saw in Canada. So. If Vettel can bring the whole lap together like he did in Montreal, he could steal pole position. But there's cer- certain areas of this track where I think Ferrari will be struggling a little bit more. And I think in particular the end of Sector 1 when we look at turns 3, 4, and 5 uh, before the long straight. So, uh, you know, again, it's it's kind of hard because Mercedes, their car is good at every track and they're good at every corner except the long straights, really. No, they are in... It's kind of been classic Mercedes. That's the way it's been. Um, so I think it'll be evened out very nice and should be on for a good race. Although every time we've said that, it has Mercedes been, dominating. Yeah. So hopefully we have a good race. Let's, let's just hope and pray. I think so. And, and I think what you said in our recap in the previous episode, that it's going to be an anticipated race. Uh, you know, Vettel's pissed off. Ferrari's maybe lit in a fire under them after what happened. Valtteri might be pissed off. He didn't have a good Canada. Yeah, and he's he's, he's a guy we haven't about talked him. about. Yeah, I mean, he's like 30 points behind the championship. You yeah. know, all of a sudden, Hamilton's built this big gap over uh, second and third place. Uh, you know, it's 62 points uh, ahead of Vettel. Um, so Valtteri needs a really good weekend before this championship starts to slip away. And, you know, I was saying in the beginning of the season, like, oh, no, Valtteri won't fall away. He'll be right up there. He sort of had a little bit of a slump. A blip, yeah. But Call it a blip. Yeah, but he's only won two races as well, which surprised me. Um, you know, Hamilton's won, won the rest of them. So I was like, oh, wow. You know, he started the season off so well, and then it shows you how difficult it is, again, to, to keep up with Lewis Hamilton. But there's a lot of guys, I think, that, that really want to – and even, you know, Charles Leclerc, too. He had a good – made his first Q3 last year uh, at the circuit, so I think he can go well at this track as well. But – you have two races here, too, this weekend, right? Yes, that's correct. Because the F3 is here, too? I'm not sure about the F3. F2, I know for sure. Um, let me just check, uh, see if my, my internet will work here. But um, no, it will not. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, good. The one thing I do know is that uh, Nicholas Latifi will be in the FP1 session with mm-hmm. Williams. And that actually correlates to the news that uh, young drivers from now on will be able to earn super license points if they compete in practice sessions oh, good. for Formula One teams. So that's really good news. Um, we see in the past years a lot of these young drivers like uh, Latifi, Norris last year were, were getting a lot of sessions. So to be able to earn your super license points at the same time is good. Um, you need around 40, I think it is, uh, in able to qualify. And there's a lot of other um, specifications to earn that super license to driving formula one so that's good for the, for the young drivers um but yeah like having the f2 races there will help rubber the track in a little bit with the new asphalt yeah i mean it's the same pirelli tires pretty much yeah Not the exact same but yeah a little at bit least different. it's still pirelli yeah you don't have michelin's you know like we saw in canada michelin or bridgestone whoever it was um in the porsche series you know different sort of tires yeah yeah exactly um 
And what else in terms of, uh, I think that was it really in terms of uh, the other news that we have. We do have the F2 races. So that championship is really close. One point gap now at the top of that championship. So that should be exciting. Um, we'll be doing uh, that little race recap after after the race uh, finishes. But I guess we can get into race predictions now. We haven't yeah. really got many of them. Oh, actually, we got uh, Canada right for the most part. Well, I think I went with Mercedes 1-2. Because every time I've done, I've predicted a Mercedes 1-2. They haven't. They haven't done it. And every time I don't predict a Mercedes 1-2, they've gone to 1-2. So I will not be predicting a Mercedes 1-2. Okay. Uh, or sorry, I will be predicting Oh, you Mercedes. will be? Okay. Yeah, so we, hopefully we don't have one. Um, and I'm going to go Valtteri Bottas will win the race. Lewis Hamilton second. And in third place will be Charles Leclerc. Okay. And as usual, kind of X-Factor or other teams to look out for? Um, Renault, I think, is the obvious choice um, because of their engine upgrade. I'm just so curious to see. And it, maybe it's just not Renault to focus on. I think it's the battle between Red Bull and Renault and see what the pace matchup is between those two. Um, a lot of pressure on Renault, and obviously it's a huge race for them. So I think a lot of eyes are going to be on them, and uh, those eyes will include mine. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with, you know, uh, I'll, I'll say I'm going to go with Sebastian Vettel in P1. Whoa. Oh. And I'll go with that because he really wants to win after what happened in Canada. I think that I really hope that the whole right to review whole thing wasn't a distraction for Ferrari. Um, I think Vettel's going to be on it. He's been on it the last couple races, and Canada especially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming out a- ahead of Lewis Hamilton in in qualifying, and also having a really good race up until that point. Uh, again, minus the mistake, I get it. He did make another mistake. How he made that mistake, whether Hamilton forced him into it, whether it was the dirty air, I mean, w- w- we'll never know. But I think that he he's been really good this season. Um, the car has not been good, unfortunately. But I think that he's on for his first race win. If it doesn't happen here, I think it's coming in the next two to three races. So I'll go with Vettel in P1. I'll go Hamilton in P2 and, and Valtteri P3. Hmm. And uh, I'll probably think I think Leclerc will be around there in P4 um, for for Ferrari. And yeah, I would agree. I think I'm looking out for Renault again to to score a double points finish if they can stay clean in, in the first lap. I think from P5 downward in the grid, it's going to be crazy going into turn one because when you look at turn one the tricky thing is too is the line i mean turn one is barely turn one because it already goes in leading into turn two yeah and it's super tight there as well and the thing is is that if you get pushed too much to the outside of turn one you're already there you know you're you're not setting yourself up properly for the line going you're cutting the quarter into correct (laughs) and lap one i guess it's okay because the stewards are just going to say it's lap one, and if you cut the corner, you're all right. Yeah, hand your position back, year. whatever. And yeah, exactly. Keep going. But, I mean, in terms of qualifying, turn one is critical to get it right, and I think you got to really attack turn one, the, the curb, early in order to get as wide as you can to be able to cut inside to turn two because, again, track limits is so important at the circuit, and I think the stewards are going to have their hands full looking at track limits again, especially yeah. after Canada as well. So I, I hope that we won't really have an issue in terms of like let's say we have another similar incident to Hamilton Vettel, I hope the stewards won't play another major role in this race. I hope not. You or, never want you know fear to. the pressure again. Um, so I'm looking out for Renault. I think also McLaren too. Uh, I think that McLaren has quietly had a really good season. They're still fourth in the constructors championship, and I think that they could potentially sneak out a a, a double points finish, whether ninth or tenth, getting those final uh, points finishes. 
And also, I'm going to be looking out for Lance Stroll. Mm. I was going to. I had one more driver to look out for yeah. too as well. Yeah, those those three three uh, three teams, kind of three drivers to look out for. I think just coming off of such a good weekend, and he struggled at this track last season, but I think that Canada was a really positive step forward for him and showed a lot of people what his talent is and what he can do. But now again. Q1 is another important one to look out for. What is that, 10 or 11? 11, Q1, I think it's 11. 11 in a row now. So Q1 is the first major step for him this weekend. Because, again, I mean, it, when you look at what he's done starting from the back of the grid, you know, what could he do starting from 9th or 10th, maybe even higher? Okay, let's start with 14th and 13th. Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe I'm a bit too ambitious. Yeah. Um, I, I want to look out for Danny Kvyat as well. He had a stonker of a race in Canada. Uh, some fantastic overtakes, great moves, and he's been great all season in that Toro Rosso. Um, I would look for him in this race as well because he's entertaining to watch. He's so much fun to watch race. He's yeah. just aggressive. He he's kind of like Magnuson, just aggressive. And uh, I don't. I love those type of racers. Yeah, you know it's funny. I had a dream last night that Kevin Magnuson got in a fight with some driver at a race <laughs> and i was there at the race oh cool I but i think it was the track in toronto it wasn't even like montreal oh, it, was it? it was like a street track oh. but yeah that's what i remember you just singapore maybe man i don't know <laughs> it would be nice but yeah, it would be nice yeah he got in a fight with another driver so well, i wouldn't put it past Ma him maybe it's foreshadowing i would put it past him <laughs> verstappen and magnuson going at each other Ooh, that would be good that'd be that would be good that'd be a fist fight well there's another team that we kind of didn't cover much Haas, right just how much they've struggled just they've struggled right now and hopefully they can come back and and rebound off their poor performances. Uh, kind of had a tough, tough race in Canada where they should have excelled. Yeah, and they didn't. So you're looking for them to rebound in France. Um, and and Red Bull too. I mean, Canada was always kind of a struggle for them. Yeah. But you know, with the exception of Monaco, where I mean they could have had a better finish, but they're they're another team that sort of haven't lived up to their own expectations this season because they haven't been challenging at the front. Um, I, I read a great article from Will Buxton and kind of referencing to what we were talking about of Max Verstappen being the best driver since, you know, Monaco 2018 last year. Yeah. So, you know, he's another guy that hasn't had a race victory yet uh, this season. I think, uh, what was his highest was third um, on the podium? Yeah. I don't think he got higher than third this year. I think so. Yeah. So we'll see what Red Bull can do. Um, and Pierre no, Gasly, home race as well. That's true. Home well, race for a handful Grosjean. of French drivers. Grosjean. Uh, Charles Leclerc, <laughs> kind of a home race south of France. Tec yeah, technically no, but yeah, kind of. It's like it's like Max Verstappen in Belgium. It's like oh, it's kind of a home Grand Prix, but right. not at the same time. Although that's technically his home Grand Prix because he was born. In he Belgium. was born in Belgium. Yeah. yeah, but so give or take, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah Ocon's home Grand Prix. Uh, maybe he'll have a good test session. Test session. I don't think he's testing. Yeah. But uh, oh, poor guy. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens with him, but uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that about does it for uh, for our preview of the French Grand Prix. Any, you think we missed anything? I, I, it's always I think something. we covered everything. Yeah, but maybe we'll hear something we forgot about in the comments below. Um, let us know your race predictions. Who do you think will? Who's your top three finishers and your X factor to watch out for? Uh, let us know. Yeah, and uh, also, yeah, we're looking at, uh, with the summer break coming up, we might be looking at doing some sort of different content or different sort of segment ideas, so... Come on, yeah, what do you want to see on this channel? You want to see some... Because I think the F1 2019 will be coming out around then. I think next week. Um, Is it I'm next week? Mistaken. I think it's the 25th or 26th. So let us know if you want to see some of that content, because I absolutely love the idea of the game. 
I think it's great. I think it's gonna be fantastic. So um, maybe uh, maybe Chris and I can do our our own career modes and. You can kind of keep up with us on that. Just disregard our horrible driving. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't and, have a wheel. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to get on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm currently testing the beta of F1 2019. Oh, and I must say I'm impressed. And I think this is the closest they've got to a simulation yeah. rather than a, a video game. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few things here and there. And I, I think a lot of people will have their own opinions about the game. You can't please everybody because, you know, people have different sort of preferences right. and, and likes and dislikes. But I think that so far it's the best game that, that they've done. So hopefully the, the finished original game will be as good and hopefully better. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll maybe do a couple of videos on that. But yeah, yeah any ideas well, that so. you have, something that you'd like to see, just drop it in the comments and we'll be brainstorming some things to, to go forward. Because um, we got to make this season exciting. If Mercedes are going to run away with it, then we got to have yeah, some fun. Last season was exciting. Yeah. Got to have a good season this season. Yeah. like Guys, we didn't really complain that much about F1 last season because it was exciting. It was awesome. (laughs) It was wheel-to-wheel racing, different teams winning different races. It was fun. Yeah. Can we go back, please? We should just disqualify Mercedes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. No, we obviously not. We'll keep them in there for now. But another year, though, we might have to. We might have to. 2021. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, but that that will do it for us. Uh, we'll be back to recap the uh, French Grand Prix, and it's actually the first back-to-back weekend as well of the season. That's right. Austria is following Austria's this next week. Um, mm-hmm. Shaker should be back with us for that. Um, I'm not sure if he'll be back for our recap uh, podcast, but probably for our probably for our preview. Preview, yeah. But that'll be sort of a quick turnaround in first back-to-back of the season. It's a little bit of a sprint to the finish before the summer break, so it's going to be nice and condensed in the next couple weeks. Um, F1 Fantasy will update that on our social media. Um, I'll have to check if that was put out from last week, but uh, we'll have to post that again. Uh, Make sure you get that in within the next couple of days. And yeah, I think that's about it. I think so too. Good. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody for listening and tuning in. And make sure you stay. And your comments. We we do appreciate the comments. Even the negative ones. We appreciate them. We love them. (laughs) (laughs) Have fun reading them. Um, and as usual, follow us on all of our social media channels on, uh, on Instagram, uh, Facebook and Twitter as well. And subscribe if you haven't subscribed already, and you'll be able to stay up to date with all of our podcasts. And just a quick shout out to our very own Toronto Raptors. That's right. For NBA winning champions. The 2019 NBA championship. I don't know if we they won it since the last time that we did the podcast yeah, or not. Can't remember, but they got it done. First ever championship for the Raptors. So congratulations to the entire team and, and all the players as well. And uh, Kawhi stays in 2020. Or, yeah, 2020. That's my opinion. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you for our recap. <laughs>